goodness, there is nothing quite like no football on the screen. The one of one is missing. Uh-uh. I knew something was up. Pop, that's almost twice as much going for the same price. I just freaking love that Raider rookie logo. Doing more buying. Which one of these five quarterbacks has the worst set of pass catchers to throw the football to? Guess how much I snipe this for an auction. Number two. Five, you dirty yep. animal. I'm telling you, these optic on-card autos are money. Huh? 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 Yeah, definitely sold over 30 cards in August. Get off this young man's back. There's, no, there's nowhere to go but up. And that patch is vicious. Patch cards. That is my favorite thing. And there is no telling where that one of one is. Let's go, football cards collecting and investing. We are so close to the national. We're so excited to get to meet each and every one of you. But obviously, Andy, right off the jump here, we are chatting PSA 9 versus raw card sales. This is a question that you get asked a lot. And honestly, my friends that are just now getting back into the hobby, they want to know about grading and all of that. But we're going to focus mostly on this comparison today and andy i love raw cards i really do so give people what you think about the raw versus psa 9 debate yeah i think it's a really important debate because there are a lot of people grading and i'll just share with you quickly carter some numbers uh from the latest grading report uh from gemray which kind of highlights how how many cards are being graded and why you know the this debate is so important because Look at the number of cards being graded in the past week by PSA compared to these other major grading companies. So you're wow. going to see the most amount of PSA slabs in the marketplace. I mean, it's crazy. 249,000 cards graded in the last week by PSA. And the next closest company is SGC with 25,000. Then you have Beckett at 14,000 and CGC now at, at 8.1 thousand. So, I mean, the numbers are up from uh, their, their week over week report. But it's just a massive difference in PSA. And then also, Carter, look at the numbers in football cards compared to the other sports. So in the last 30 days, if we focus on this number in the third column here, you can actually see that football cards are being graded at a higher rate than basketball and the other sports uh, besides baseball and TCG, which is like Pokemon and Magic Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I would guess. Part of that is because all these new football products are being released right now, Andy, right? Yeah, you have a lot of football products being released, but I also think that football cards um, have become, I think, especially here in the United States, I think football cards have become more popular than basketball. And it's, I think they're, they're getting close to that of baseball. I think they're right there, and it just kind of depends on the time of the year. But obviously right now, as we're you know just under – what a month and a half from the start of the season. A lot of people are submitting to PSA to get those grades back before the start of the season. So this begs the question, whenever I look at gem rates, Carter. So then I went and looked at gem rates. Uh, and the last report they did on that was going back to 2022. Okay. But I looked at gem rates and I can just tell you that you have about a 50% chance of getting a PSA 9 on any given card. Most modern cards and ultra modern cards are 50% PSA 9 about 40% or 30 to 40% PSA 10, and then the remaining 10% PSA 8. Um, right. And we, I think it's, it's safe to say everybody understands a PSA 8 might as well be good as raw. But then 
It's like, well, is a PSA 9 just as good as raw? And I've got some very interesting examples to go through from a very variety of different sets and players to see what the difference is between a 9 and a raw card. Because if you have a 50 to 60% chance of getting a 9, you really need to know this information before you submit that raw card. Yeah, so in the chat right now and in the comment section, um, let us know, do you prefer a card raw or do you prefer a card in a PSA 9 slab? In the live chat right now, type 9 for 9, type R for R. I would love to know what you guys think. Um, you know, for me, Andy, I, I think part of this discussion for me is the grade hasn't really ever been that important to me. I always care about the rarity of the card, how it looks, uh, how that auto looks, because I just don't really care too, too, too much about the grade. Right. And that has led me to very big time and better decisions in my card buying experience. Um, I, I ran into this with a Kobe Bryant PSA nine tops base card. There's a gazillion of those, right? And at some point, the market kind of figured that out. So for me, Andy, I want a card that is not even grade specific. But then again, there are also all these other grading companies, Andy, that, you know, people bring this up all the time. Would you rather have a BGS 9.5 card or just a raw card? It's kind of basically the same discussion, especially if it's a BGS 9 versus a raw card. So give Andy a little bit of your thoughts on the other grading companies and how those also compare. Well, yeah. And, and those are interesting because uh, they're perceived as being more strict on grading, especially right. companies like DS, SGC, CSG, which is now CGC. They combined with their coin grading company to form this one, you know, major grading brand that they've literally just unveiled uh, this month. Uh, that, that was, you know, why they sent me a little goodie box and stuff. And I highlighted it on a mail day, mail day. So shout out to CGC. But um, they're perceived as more strict. And this is part of the reason why I think you're seeing a little bit more PSA 9s come out it is because they're trying to keep up with the industry. They're trying to kind of develop a, a standard and, and be a little bit more strict in their process. But when you get a BGS 10 black label or an SGC 10 gold label, um, you get these pristine grades right. that are even above and beyond their their 10. Those are worth more than the PSA 10. But that's right. really the only situation. When you get a BGS 9, it's about that of a PSA 9 to a, uh, to a little bit more. As when right. you get a BGS 9.5 on certain cards, it can be worth close to a 10, but it's, it's between a 9 and a 10. Uh, and the same thing applies with an SGC, but the SGC is even lower just because they don't quite have that. They don't quite have that same clout that uh, BGS has. Now, when you go vintage cards, SGC has a, a strong foothold in vintage cards. And so there you a lot of times you will see the same grade from SGC be worth that of the same from BGS and PSA. And so it really does the matter because. Like you're talking vintage, the grade becomes very important because that authenticates the card. It also becomes the chase for from that set because it, you know there was only a couple variations for any given player, so the the grade differentiates those cards. Whereas ultra modern, you're like after the scarcity, and you don't care if it's if it's raw or graded when you have this game worn patch 
five out of five from your favorite player. It's it's more about the aesthetics and just having the card itself. Yeah, and as Chad points out, there is a and as you just pointed out, there's a huge difference between a vintage nine and a current nine. So vintage nines, th- th- those are very expensive and obviously very rare. But obviously, we're more so focused on modern, semi-modern on this channel. So, you know, for me, Andy, I, I I've had some pretty crazy things happen to me pretty recently. Um, as far as, you know, talking to some people in the grading industry and all that. And man, you know, I've always enjoyed SGC. I, I really have. I, enjoy, I like the look at the, the SGC slabs. I haven't really ever been the biggest uh, CSG fan. I, I don't honestly own a card in a CSG slab. But for me, whether it's tag grading, I know you've seen tag. Uh, I know they'll be at the national and all that stuff. I prefer the card to be in the slab. I prefer a card to be in a PSA slab, but it's not the be all end all like it is for some people. So uh, the, the, the thing that I hate about grading Andy, other than the long wait times and sending it for somebody's opinion and not really knowing uh, how that actual process actually works. The thing that is most annoying for me, Andy is explaining this, right? It is hard. It is a complex thing for people when they are entering the hobby, Andy, to understand how all of this actually happened. So my next question for you to be, Andy, is if there was someone out there deciding whether or not they should submit cards, what would you tell them? <laughs> well, check out these numbers first, just to yeah. give yourself an idea on modern and ultra modern grade rates and just the, the sold price differences between a nine and a raw, because that's the big thing. If you're in most cases, if you're getting the nine back, even though their grading prices are very competitive now between yeah. the major company, it's a competitive market. They want your business. Um, and so PSA is being competitive as well. $19 on bulk. Uh, and stay tuned because I do have a hobby tip regarding the the uh, declared values and some of the nuances around grading your cards with one of, with one of these companies. So stay tuned for that. But it's important to look at, and once you understand, you've got a 50 to 60% chance of getting a nine back. It's like flipping a coin. You got, the corners look good. The edges look good. The surface looks pretty good. The centering looks pretty good. You're like, all right, this has got a shot. Well, still, like you said, it's a subjective it's a subjective process. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, especially at companies like PSA. So, uh, you know, you still, it's a coin toss, whether or not you're going to get a nine or a 10. So, um, look at some of this data. Like I started out with a base card, Carter, and stop me as I'm going through this. If you want to dig into any one no, of no, these go, go examples further. Go on. So a base Donruss Trevor Lawrence rated rookie from 2021 raw is about $10, sometimes 15. I've seen them spike as much as 15. But if you look at the PSA nine, that's a $20 card, sometimes 25, but it's between 20 and 25. And so in this case, you do have about a five to $10 increase in an average resale value on the nine doesn't really justify getting that graded with the the coin toss right unless you get a 10 like if you're getting a 10 now all of a sudden you're making out because that's a 75 dollar card right so if we go back a little bit and use the the optic the first year optic from 2016 that was the first year that optic was made by panini it's got the rated rookie logo let's use jared goff a guy that's getting some steam heading into the season his PSA 10 from that set is $60. Buy it now just five days ago. His PSA 9 is $25. I found a couple of these around 25 
$30 out the door, right? With shipping. But then the raw card is just a dollar to $5. And this is wow. a, a dollar bin card. So in this situation, and you go look at the, the gem rates, if you have about the same chance. So it, in this situation, you know, it makes a lot more sense to get the, to get the card graded and yeah. potentially even get back a nine and still you're breaking even, maybe making a couple dollars with some upside potential for Jared Goff in the season. Now I look at a Christian McCaffrey 2017 prism. All rookies that year were silver out of the box, so no need to write silver with the big exclamation points. But that raw card and that PSA 9 are very close together. Here's a best offer accepted at $27 on the raw July 16th. Um, a week prior was a PSA nine that closed an auction for right at $40. So yeah, a $10 difference once again, does not, does not make sense to get that, that raw card graded with the gem rates whenever you're already paying that close to a nine. So in this situation, the nine is, it's very close to the raw Carters. It's just yeah. a few dollars more. All right, now we got a Nick Chubb. So I want to go over something a little bit more rare, a little bit uh, more high-end. Here we have a Silver Prism Rookie Auto Nick Chubb from 2018. And I pulled up the differences between the uh, between the 10, the 9, and the Raw. So the PSA 10, $425, buy it now sold. A little bit harder to find transactions on these. So these are going back to the end of April and May. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. PSA 9 for 117 Nick Chubb and then 96 for the for the raw. So pretty close between the raw and the nine, but definitely still a 20 to $25 increase from raw to nine, which is which is good. You want to see that whenever you're getting a, a card graded. But then I went to something even higher to a, a Jerry Judy kaboom from 2020. Kaboom's one of the most uh, popular case hit cards in the hobby from Absolute. It's literally the card from Absolute that people chase. And here you have his PSA 10 selling for 484 July 11th in auction. Then the 9 selling for 290 Best offer accepted. Marked uh, accepted from 350 marked down to 290 on July 17th. That was yesterday. And then July 4th, you have an auction that ended for a hundred. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't an auction. Sorry, it was a uh, it was a buy it now that uh, right. for one sixty five. So there is a big difference there. Now I'll tell you, this card is very rare. Whoever bought this got a great deal. Yeah, and I, I didn't actually zoom in to look at the condition on this, um, but I did find a couple other raw ones. They were just a little bit older that ended right around that one ninety range. So definitely a big difference between the raw and PSA nine variations of this card. Very interesting. Um, okay, let, let's 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 do Burrow, and I'll give you my thoughts after that. Yeah. So I've got I've got two more for you. I've got two more for you, and, I, and this is where it start. It it really starts to perplex me because so far we've pretty much seen the nine going for at least ten dollars more than the raw, sometimes more. In this case, on Joe Burrow's rated rookie optic hollow, you have the nine going for one hundred and seventy dollars. Buy it now yesterday compared to an auction for $202 yesterday. That's raw. The raw one, 202 in auction. And, and this is actually a trend that I find um, for Joe Burrow's Optic Hollow that is pretty consistent. 
where the raw goes for more than the nine, especially when it's a good photograph. Um, so yeah, so I, I did that one. So that one, keep that one in your mind. And then I'll look at this final one, which is pretty much identical results between the, uh, well, identical results for the Jalen Hurts. So here at the top, we have a, wow. a 2020 optic downtown, another very popular case hit insert from, uh, Donruss and optic. And here you have the PSA nine Jalen Hurts downtown going for nine 30 yesterday compared to an auction on the raw ending at 905. So very close together. And then a Justin Fields 2021 optic downtown with the laser finish. Buy it now, sold raw on the raw card for 600, uh, marked down from 875. And then the PSA 9 actually went all the way for $965 yesterday. That's nuts. Okay. Um, wow. So... For for those that don't know or, or can't really see, the the fields discrepancy here is bigger. But the Jalen Hurts, that's a little shocking to me, Andy, that those went for uh, the the same exact price. Yeah, isn't isn't that wild? I mean, the, the so it just goes to show you, and and I'm not sure if 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 there there's so many nuances in sports cards carter because you're not only dealing with different sellers on all of these you're also dealing with different conditions different photo right. qualities different listing types i tried to find things in common right yeah i yeah, mean absolutely. if we got everything from the same seller and the same quality of photographs and they were all buy it nows we'd be able to get better data and i think that's something that somebody could cultivate over time but it's very difficult to do um, so we kind of have to go with what we can find and what we can see today um, on eBay and through our sold results um, through various applications like our Keep Them Prices web app. Um, you know, so it's just wild that the the Justin Fields here was able to be sniped for six hundred compared and and it's but the thing is crazy it's going for the same as Jalen Hurts which I think right. is a massive kind of discrepancy. I don't know if, if if Justin the the Jalen Hurts here must be underpriced because. I guarantee you this is probably a, a $3,000-plus card for Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I Jalen is always going to be underpriced. Uh, I, I just think Jalen Hurts is great. But I go back to the Burrow one. This is what I would say about grading a Kaboom and downtown. So this is more of a basic card, if you will, Andy. So yeah. obviously there's just going to be a higher print run of silver rated rookie optics. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there is. There is. It's not as many as 2021, 2022, but a lot more than 2019 and 2018. Yeah. Unless you are for sure getting a 10 on one of these cards, it is just a little bit more common, uh, if you will. Here's what I'll say about the PSA 9, you know, debate. Even though that Jalen Hurts card went for about the same, you saw the discrepancies in that Jerry Judy card. There are a lot, and I mean a lot, of fake kabooms and downtowns. They just exist, right? Because it's a very popular card design out there, and a lot of people make replicas. Mm. I would if i had a kaboom i would get it graded i absolutely would get it graded for the authenticity aspect of it the same thing with a downtown and you see the price discrepancies even if it is a nine because it is so rare um but if it's like a joe burrow hollow like 
you know, the rated rookie one, um, that's just a little bit more of, you know, a basic card. And obviously, you know, you could see, you know, PSA nine, the difference there just isn't really too great. Um, but overall, Andy, I, I, as far as this PSA nine discussion, there are just people who, if it's not a PSA 10, they don't want it in a slab. They want the card to just be on its own, right? And the truth is, if you are one of those people, Andy, that uh, tries to find the most perfect condition card in a photo on eBay, guess what, Andy? You're not going to see every last little scratch on a card unless you see it in person, right? One thing that I tend to see pretty often if you're buying raw cards on eBay and people in the chat, please back me up. I am not the best, you know, card analyzer, Andy. I know you're way better at it than I am. You actually do that. That's part of the service we give to our patrons here on the Card Quest. Um, you cannot see all the surface damage on a card unless unless someone takes all the photos they possibly can on eBay and goes through and shows you every small little angle on the card, you have to be there in person to a good, like for instance, this Justin Herbert card right here. I'm never buying this card raw. Never, never, ever, ever. Uh, especially if that's the only photo, it's a photo not taken at a good angle. There's no way you could see every little surface blemish on it. And you see the PSA nine went, uh, about for the same price as this this raw card, Andy. Yeah, and that that's my biggest takeaway. I think from this card, you're spot on with with examining the. It's impossible because you have to hold that card at different angles and bounce the light off of it to see the surface imperfections. That's the easiest way. Um, and and some guys go to the extent of a lighted uh, a lighted magnifying glass and like get really serious. Like, honey, I shrunk the kids. You know, blow that thing up. But my biggest takeaway is if the PSA 9 is selling for less or the same as the raw card, then buy it. And worst case scenario, if you're having a hard time moving it, don't hesitate to crack that thing crack out <laughs> and uh, sell it raw. Because the difference between a 9 and a 10 is literally a tiny little uh, surface imperfection in most cases. Maybe a tiny little minute edge blemish or something, but mostly for PSA I think these days, when you're grading card with them these days, they're trying to be more consistent. It's going to come down to the surface. So in, in that situation, you know you've got a really good uh, raw card here in a PSA 9 slab. And if it's selling for less than a raw, just because people are, are – it's it's like a it's like a perception thing like because the 9 is just so ugly to, to, the, uh, to the eye for a lot of people than the 10 is, then, you know, then take advantage of that. That's a little – value pocket in the hobby right there let's take a few questions before we move along here and once again there are people way more versed and have been in the sports card industry longer than we have give us your expert opinion this is a community we want to help each other out um and go ahead and hit subscribe ring the bell let's go to joshua eastern rock with me for a while on phl um kind of sort of new into cards he, i think he's been doing it about six months uh via our channel he says, I got a Burrow rated rookie that looked great on eBay, but when I got it, it was damaged on the side. It had a bend. I took a picture and print, pointed it out to the seller, and they refunded me. You got very lucky because sometimes you don't get that refund. That's why you got to read the description because the seller could have actually even saved himself, Andy, by saying in the description, 
small bin on the side of the card, uh, sale final, always go read and see every last little thing you possibly can. Um, because some people, they, they take photos at angles to where, you know, you can't see something uh, that meets the eye. And honestly, Andy, because raw cards and grading is so particular, there are a lot of people that post cards on eBay and they don't even see the blemish. They honestly don't see it. They just give a few photos and they don't see the little ding on it because it can be so microscopic, right? You got to remember these grading companies are looking at it through a magnifying glass. They are, uh, they'll call wonder woman in to, to x-ray vision it from all different angles. Uh, it's a little upcharge uh, that, that they get you. With. Um, and not to mention that your time is money. And I know for me, like the first couple cards that I take photographs of and when, whenever I'm listing them, I'm like very carefully examining them. I'm like, all right, I just spent 30 minutes doing two cards. I got to speed it up here. You know, I, you know, and so it's like, unless it's something major, like a bend in the side of the card or a dent in the side of the card. Yeah. I think you got to call it. It's, it's like kind of airing out some major baggage before you get into a relationship, probably best to do it up front here before you go into that sales cycle because look what happened the guy just wasted him himself shipping and fees just to refund uh money which he i'm glad he did the right thing chad and messiah were discussing opening sealed cards and getting them graded i'm telling you unless you a gazillion percent want that seal card to be put in a slab don't grade it just don't let that thing exist with that clean panini seal on it. The only thing if you do that is make sure that the mag, the sealed mag doesn't get a scratch on it, right? Don't don't let that happen. Uh, let's go to Hector here, Andy, one of our sharpest viewers. Remember at shows, it's polite to ask if you can open a mag holder first. Uh, Andy, uh, I'll let you answer that one first. Yeah, it's. I think. I think that's that's a fantastic hobby tip. Uh, it, it's. It seems common sense to me, but I guarantee you, there's some people that would uh, just go like open a one touch. I would never pick up someone's one touch with a raw card in it and attempt to open it. Never. Like, you know. Uh, but I mean, I think absolutely. Um, you know, I, I could see some people doing it, especially if you have maybe you had kids with you or something, and they're looking at cards. Definitely want to make. Hey, buddy. You, you know, you gotta. Don't ever take someone's card out of the case kind of thing um, before before holding it. Yeah, when I ship a card, I prefer to receive uh, a raw card in a, uh, a, a sleeve and top loader. I just do because, uh, you know, inside a mag, things can happen. But ultimately, my higher-end raw cards, I do like to put them in a mag and, and put them in. And for those that don't know what a mag is, it's – this right here so that's basically uh it uh but yeah so especially if it's an expensive raw card don't just open it ask the dealer the dealer will happily oblige especially if it is like a super rare herbert immaculate or whatever it may be uh so always do that if you are going to purchase a card something else and this was something that happened to me in a live show recently um a kid so this kid didn't know any better, but he walked up to me and he had a gold number to 10 Garrett Wilson card. Okay. So probably one of the most coveted, you know, rookies in this last class and a super rare card. I was shocked to even see it. And he was like, Hey, I, I want a thousand dollars for this card, which is fair. Right. 
But the mag he had the card in, Andy, was covered in scratches. It, it just 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 <laughs> not not like something that I would want, you know, this level of card to be in. So if you are attempting to sell something raw to somebody in person, put it in a nice mag. Put it in a nice um, mag. Let's go to uh, Andrew Perry, Perry Collectibles. Uh, I hope I get to meet him next week. Um, went to my first national last year and didn't buy or sell anything. My hobby tip is just to enjoy it. Don't put pressure on yourself to buy something you wouldn't otherwise buy. Oh, I love that. Yeah, uh, my plan is to do a lot of vlogging and filming. You see me if you've seen uh, if you're in our Discord server, you can see my my gear that I, I picked up to be able to make this happen. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I'm going to look like the guy from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids walking through the National, examining everybody's cards and everything. Hands free, baby. So, um, so yeah, my, 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 that's, that's kind of my overall goal, man. I, I, I intentionally um, uh, made sure all shipments are sh sent out. Like I could hand deliver to PSA there. I could hand deliver to Com C at the National. Uh, but then you got to wait in a long line. You know, and, and there's a lot of tables and booths to visit. You got to get there super early and wait in these long lines for these guys. So my goal is not do any of the, um, you know, not stress my myself out by, you know, having to wait a PSA, COMC, BGS line, or even get one of these professional athletes to autograph something because yeah. I want to try and get, the, you know, I want to try and take everything in and kind of find in, any dealers that have little value pockets of skill position uh you know nfl cards like we like to target uh just from what i've heard and perry follows up here um a lot of this stuff is overpriced yes and i think that is by design for a few reasons uh for the national the first is it's expensive to set up there it's expensive to go to chicago chicago's not a cheap city right um also it's going to draw a lot of people who have a lot of money to walk through that show. There's going to be some celebrities walking through that show that are just going to be buying. They're not even going to ask for the price or even negotiate. So it's not going to be the sharpest field of, of buyers, if you will. That's part of the reason why you know the prices are so high. But if you are trying to you know complete a rainbow and you see a card – you just got to grab it when you can see it because the national is going to have a lot of cards that you've never seen before that you didn't even know existed. So it is a give or take, uh, you know, be patient, but also don't let something pass you on the way by. Go to Chad's comment here, Andy, the national has the best one, three and $5 boxes on the planet. Even if you're not going to the national, this is a very good uh, general tip. Andy. I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll let you, discuss this topic when it comes to dollar boxes hey man this is where this is where it's so important to be hands-free you want to go through all those cards quickly and kind of scan them to see if there's any pockets of value in those dollar five dollar boxes but i've got a feeling much like i found this gold shimmer jerome ford from a pretty big dealer on instagram i'm able to find a guy to show it's got a pretty decent sleeper skill position uh rookie card that's a pretty decent card in a $5 box that I may be able to get from. It's actually worth, you know, 20 to 30 plus. Who knows? That's, uh, I think, uh, I love that part of the hunt because that's in a perfect, uh, that's in a perfect budget range for me where I can fire a lot of bullets and I could come away with a big stack of cards. 
but I do want to be selective. I do only have so much room with me to carry cards that I take away. So, and I am bringing some bigger ticket items, including one pretty big ticket item in the mail. Uh, that is actually a, a downtown. It's an optic downtown. Uh, uh, so blue. that I, that I picked up from one of our, what? Let, let's, uh, who is it? Oh, you want to see? It's a, it's a guy. He's actually a retired player. He's a goat. It's a goat. Okay. While you open it, I'll give you my thoughts on on this. I I like the dollar box search. I do. I wouldn't spend all my time on it, but what I would do is go through dollar boxes. You never know what you're going to find. I like it. I so Andy since I've been setting up when I put my dollar box out there or just my giveaway box, I'll put one twenty-ish dollar card in there um, because mm. nothing excites the hobby like finding, uh, you know, a treasure in 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 any box like that. Uh, it's kind of a pay it forward thing. I'm telling you, there is no better feeling than getting. Um, I felt this way in Dallas, picking up some Avishka Chenault field level silvers in a dollar box that i sold for 20 each i got two of them and it was just in some random card shop in dallas he, he sold them both for me for like three bucks and i had never been more on fire never in my life andy so uh <laughs> there was no better feeling but but yeah man i i'm excited to uh see this downtown um, all right here we go oh, oh you're oh you're getting the extra camera out Oh, I got it. I'm I'm getting good at this. And okay. Let's let's I have been able to let me just turn the volume down on this thing, make sure we don't get any feedback. Yeah. All right. Matt Perry, are you uh, going? Perry, are you going? Type Y for yes, type in for no in the chat if you're going to the Windy City next month. Uh or next week. I'm getting excited. Brad Nolan, friend of the show. You've never met Brad, have you, Andy? And not in person, no. Him and I have talked quite a bit he's, backstage. He's I mean, he's an OG. Hector better be there. I will legit be depressed if Hector and Chad don't show up. I will be I will be depressed. But I think, <laughs> honestly, just, you know, if this is fun and Andy and I don't hurt each other, because this is the first time Andy and I are meeting, and we talk, you're one of my best buds now, I do think at some point we should do a Dallas card show meetup. I think. Oh, Dallas, heck yeah. I can get some great nonstop lights in Dallas. Yeah, that would be a, a layup. So definitely at some point we'll do. And, and it's also more affordable, the Dallas card show. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's see here. When it, or the Burbank show. I heard the Burbank show in Chi-Town gets, gets Liddy as a, uh, you know what? Let's see. So this is this is a question. I want to I want to get your take on whether or not I should bring this to the national. It's mostly a PC card. Um, I got a solid deal on it from another uh, great quester who is actually he does he does uh, Ryan's store review with me. He ripped this out of a a optic set this year. Okay, well let, let's let's um, let the chat let's ha let's let the chat uh, give it their best guess right now on who it is. Okay. Before it, see. we see a nice little Brady in the window. I like it. Some good, some some good packaging here too. Yeah, like fantastic it. packaging. 
No, I'll look I, at him. I, he had me. He had me. He had me going I, with the. Uh, I, I, I have a good idea who it is because they're. Let me give it my best guess. Can I give it my best guess real quick? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. Don't open it anymore. Honestly, I have no idea. Okay, this guy has my personal favorite kaboom pose. I'm going to go with Rob Gronkowski. I, that's my guess. So everybody in the guest right now, because Gronk's kaboom is the best. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I'm not even a Gronk guy. Not even a Gronk guy. You ready? Let's see it. Okay, and he did include some nice Tom Brady's on you. I'm trying to get it yeah. out without it. There, let's see if I can get these cards because it's stuck to the uh, one touch. Okay, there that's we fine. go. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here we go. Couple extras, couple extras. Oh, a couple extras. Here it is. It is a downtown Gronk. Look at that. I actually was I actually I actually thought it was a kaboom for some reason, but it was a downtown Gronk. Okay. Well, we've been talking about kabooms and yeah. and uh <laughs> downtowns all shows. So yeah, it's a it's an optic laser downtown Gronk. Let's go. Should be wearing gloves taking this out, but yeah, it's in fantastic condition. But I'm with I'm I'm almost tempted to even if I get a nine on this to just get it graded to have it graded, encapsulated, protected, and a fifty percent shot at a ten, potentially. Honestly, really God, I like it. I do. Now I, the question is, if I brought this to the national. I hate to be too tempted to trade it. I almost want to just keep it here and put it on the wall and not take it. Well, put it in a put it in a mag and call it a day. There you go. Now, uh, well, Burbank show and Anaheim convention. All right, Hector. Uh, I'm down. I'm down for a trip to Cali. Obviously, football season. I'm booked every weekend, basically. Uh, but uh, yeah, look at this baby. Put it in a mag, call it a day. Sweetness, Oof. yeah, that's, that's nice. That's tough, man. That's that tough. Nice. Um, next topic here, Andy. Uh, I'll answer this one really quickly for Nerf. Should I trade a 2022 Brett Favre score auto for a Roger Staubach 2022 optic downtown? Sure, go on ahead. Why not? I'm definitely not a Brett Favre fan, and I like Roger Staubach. I've met Roger Staubach uh, before, so uh, yeah, do it. Why not? I, I I think obviously I think Brett's the all time better QB, but Roger is definitely in like Staubach. He's definitely top twenty QB of all time, though. Especially if you separate the eras, if you separate modern from you know pre. 1990 Starbuck is definitely in the top five, top 10. Uh, so yeah, do it. Yeah, I would too, man, because Optic Downtown is just a way more iconic card. I think it's way more collectible. You have people that want to set build that for sure. And uh, Roger Starbuck, like you said, very notable quarterback from America's team. America's he is he's the reason why they coined him America's team. He was a military veteran. And yeah. and everything came back, and there that's that uh, storybook season that they had. And I mean, that's so cool. I think that's a cool card. Plus, a solid dude. 
I was super young when I, I was with them for like 15 minutes and he treated everybody equally. So I'm always down for, for that. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, dang, Chad's not going. The yeah, Perry, I'm going to be looking for the Jamar Chase zebra or tiger stripe field level there. Uh, but then again, you know, Jamar Chase, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what my Jamar plan for the future is going to be. But, uh, but yeah. Now, Andy, next topic uh, I wanted to get into before we get into a few more questions is um, the news about the running back contract. So, you know, this is obviously a little bit more general NFL, but we'll give you a football card perspective about the overall contractual hostility that the running back position is going through right now. So, anyway, I'll give you uh, the floor here uh, from not only your perspective on the situation, but also just a football card perspective on running backs as a whole. Well, I, I get it, man. And Austin Eckler, I think he's been the most outspoken since Saquon Barkley. But these, the, all these guys are feeling it. They're all feeling it because um, outside of like, you know, you just had a number eight and a number 12 uh, first round pick spent this year on uh, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. They're going to get solid rookie contracts. But after that, they're going to be, you know, in a similar situation as a lot of these other guys. And the uh, I think the the running back contract market has not been reset. See, the thing is, you have these uh, major wide receiver acquisitions every year, every offseason uh, for the past few years. And so every year they're resetting what the current market value is for a guy in his prime or even a guy at uh, maybe uh, 28 or 29 years old, still in his prime. But, you know, kind of getting to the to the over the other side of the hill on that age apex production curve. So the running back market has not been reset in like three years. Um, and so that is causing a major issue with the current running back market today. Uh, and so there is a, a stalemate there between quite a few uh, running backs that are free agents, running backs that are on teams that keep getting uh, franchise tagged and not getting the contracts that they want, kind of forcing to play it out or hold out. I mean, it is a, an odd situation, but this does have a correlation with their rookie cards, Carter, because yeah. we, we now clearly see that wide receivers, generally speaking, there are more wide receivers that have a much higher resale, average resale value than their average, generally speaking, average running back counterparts. So um, there's definitely been a big shift. You also see more wide receivers being drafted in first round of fantasy. Well, that goes back to the way running backs are used. And so it's all kind of tied together. They're all intertwined. And it, and it definitely spills over to every market for running backs, whether it's fantasy cards, the actual NFL contracts they receive. Uh, and it's, um, yeah, that's just the, the world we live in today. And, and I don't know who's going to reset it or, or how this is actually going to shake out, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm lucky to know a lot of coaches in the profession just in like uh, my, my regular job, right, doing film studies and all of it. And there is such a big divide between people who actually coach and play the game and the analytics community and the general managers who, who are actually and the owners who are actually doing this right where, you know, the, the, there's such a big difference on what a running back can actually, you know, do to a game. You know, I, I see Hector make a good point about Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley. 
they honestly could not have performed any better than what they have in recent years. Those guys are superstars and they're still not getting the money. And, you know, whether it be Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott, there's so many different stories uh, with weird running back contractual things that have happened. Um, but, you know, from a more football card perspective, Arby's, it, it's the quick flip game. You know, we, we've talked about it quite a bit. It's just not something you hold on to really long term, even though you and I, Andy, privately, we're both huge huge Brees Hall guys. Uh, you've actually spent, you know, some money on Brees Hall yourself. You're very bullish on him. But, you know, the, the chances of him becoming a Hall of Fame player, especially in this modern-day NFL, is is going to be really, really difficult. And Brees is as good as it gets, you know, short of B. John Robinson when it comes to being a really good running back prospect. So it's just a very volatile position. And, Andy, that's where it gets tough because – Growing up, people that watch this show that are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, the difference between a quarterback and a running back in terms of pop culture and draft capital really wasn't that different, but now they couldn't be further apart. Yeah, they, and they couldn't be further apart, and, the, and, and that's why I think the running backs that do stand out, the Ecklers, the Josh Jacobs, the Saquon Barkleys, the Christian McCaffreys, they have – um, higher, I would say higher average rookie card values most of the time than a, a bulk of, of wide receivers. And they're kind of, they can, they can get up there with the elite wide receivers um, and sometimes exceed. And, but outside of that, I mean, it starts to, it starts to become very small windows, very fleeting. And a player that breaks out one game, you can see this massive charge for him. They had this four or five touchdown game. And then the hype just dissipates really quickly. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, even though they've, They've been a 10 to 15, uh, you know, fantasy point per game guy. They're putting up decent production, you know, actually on, on in terms of football, they're helping their team win, that kind of stuff. The values just, you know, cool all the way back off. So it is very volatile of a market. I do want to take um, advantage of those little opportunity windows to flip and make the money. I don't feel as comfortable holding those guys long ter long term like over the course of a few seasons like i do the, a, a lot of the wide receivers that i invest in yeah and and quarterbacks already rule the hobby already more than than what they do one thing i could eventually see and and this is just a hot take right i could see a few defensive guys starting to get more love than running backs in the hobby i could see uh, you know, Pat Sertan, Sauce Gardner, uh, uh, the Micah Parsons, only the elites of the elites. And obviously they would need to be on a winning team and win a few DPOYs and all that stuff. But I could see it. I, I honestly can can eventually see it. And also there's just so many running backs. Like as far as running back discourse, Andy, there's so many of these running backs from 2000 to like 2010, 2015 that had a two or three year flash in the pan where you're like, God, this could be one of the best players I've ever seen. You had Jamal Lewis, Jamal Charles, Andy, I know you remember this name, CJ 2K, baby. Chris Johnson was Timothy Chalamet, man. He could flat out play. Um, but yeah, I, I, mm, I just got, I just got to be real, man. The, the, the running back position just looks so bleak. Uh, as we move forward. 
But that's also, I think that's also what gives you a lot of potential when you see like running back by committees or potential shared backfields and you have emerging talent, whether it's uh, Jameer Gibbs, who's significantly undervalued compared to Bijan, or you have um, Alvin Kamara. We talked about him last week and I still have been uh, kind of watching his prices and his base stuff is is just a, a fifth of what Christian McCaffrey's is. Now, when you talk about the rare stuff, Christian McCaffrey's is still about 30% more, but it's a lot closer, interestingly, interest, interestingly enough. Uh, let's see. A, a few people have some hot takes on my defensive thing. Messiah says he's stacking up on, on Nick Bosa. Yeah, I've made some money on Nick Bosa cards. So there you go. It helped that I found like a super diehard 49ers uh, fan at the Dallas card show. Um, but, um, but yeah, Perry said he bought a Fred Taylor chrome refractor rookie. Yeah. Fred Taylor also very involved, uh, in the, in sports media now. So I like old Fred Taylor. I don't think he's going to get in the hall of fame, even though they're trying to get a little bit of a, a, a push, but, um, but yeah, Hector makes a good point here. Wide receivers, and running backs provide almost all game highlights, yet they are priced less. It's a very weird dynamic. Absolutely, yeah. it is. They it, also it, get a much lower, uh, much smaller contract than quarterbacks. You know, so it's it's correlated. When, when's the last time a wide receiver or running back won the season long MVP? This is going back to 2012. Carter Adrian Peterson. And and um, I can't remember who I was listening to. It was uh, oh man, what's his name? He was on Pat McAfee, and he was basically saying, you know, talk. They were talking about the betting market and and how the MVP. They always sprinkle in a skill position player guy in there, but it makes no sense to bet on that person because it's never going to happen. It's got to be a quarterback. We know it's got to be tied to the win loss record. They're looking at the narrative of the quarterback and helping that team succeed throughout the season to make a, a playoff push that kind of thing. And so it all comes back to the signal caller who ends up being the, the face of that franchise. And so it's, it is like a, it's like a pyramid, right? It's like quarterback at the top and then wide receivers and then running backs. And sometimes you get guys that sprinkle into these different tiers, but it, I've never seen any of those guys exceed that of the quarterback. Seeing a lot of random running backs being thrown in there. I like Bob's name, Thurman Thomas, who is uh low key an LSU fan. Uh, I'll save that story for a different day, but shout out to uh, Thurman. I appreciate it. Peyton Hillis, who just survived, uh, you know, a drowning situation. Shout out to Peyton Hillis, SEC neck roll Madden cover legend, Peyton Hillis. Uh, but I would still prefer Mike Allstott over Peyton Hillis all day, every day. Right, Andy? Mike Allstott, let's freaking go. Actually got a, a a nice Mike Allstott card coming in the mail as well. He's definitely, I mean, his his highlight reel is just unreal, man, unreal. I remember seeing him do some of those plays live. It's just, it's unreal. And it's crazy that he wasn't, he wasn't taller than me. He was just like twice as thick. He was like a tree trunk compared to me, you know, being like a little sapling. So um, yeah, I got a ton of respect for him and what he was able to do on the football field was him and work done. That combination was just so nasty. Work done. Baton Rouge legend. Shout out to him. But yeah, there's so many different running backs. But he- here's what I would say about that is if there is one running back that gives you that nostalgia, gives you that feel, 
makes you tingly inside, re just reminisces about uh, yesteryear for you, you can build a pretty nice collection of Priest Holmes or Curtis Martin, uh, Eric Rett. Uh, you could build a nice collection of those guys for cheap. Like, let's say like you just wanted to build a PC of like their rare refractors and all of that. Andy, I would venture off to say you could get five really good rare cards of some of these guys for probably total 500, 600 bucks, uh, just depending on your budget or whatever. I think I think you go off and uh, and do it. But look, we got some defensive players on here. Look at this. Yeah, I want to remind people that, especially if you're prospecting on ultra-modern defensive players, it is possible these, these players are liquid, especially I look at a card like their Optic, rookie auto from this past year you have Tariq Woolen who is a standout draft pick uh by the Seahawks had a great rookie season $25 but what's more important Carter 14 bids showing you just how liquid it is and then wow. this Sauce Gardner same exact card optic rookie auto out of 150 a uh, best offer accepted I didn't pull it up on 130 point I would guess somewhere around 70 75 Carter what right. you think yeah yeah absolutely yeah I let, let me ask you so, this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Who, who's the best young defensive player in the league? Three or three years, or, three years or less in the league. Oh, Parsons. three years or less right now. Parsons, Man, right? I, was, yeah. Healthy. If healthy, Micah Parsons, because he, he drops back in coverage. He blitzes. He can play literally every position on defense. That's how good he is. It's incredible because you look at him compared to some of the other edge rushers in the league. He's smaller than them, but I mean, he's just a beast. Yeah, I, I would go Parsons. Bosa is definitely in there. I think he's been in the league four years, maybe. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I would, I would say, I would say Micah Hutchinson's also pretty, pretty good football player uh, uh, too. So, uh, but yeah, Sauce is in there. Low-key, I actually have a pretty nice Derek Stingley collection. I can't wait to see him healthy this next year, but guy just gets hurt all the time. Third consecutive year just being uh, injured. So, um, um, but there you go. All right, Carter. And the other the other news that just popped up, we never uh, talked about. That's we it. haven't talked about since last week. DeAndre Hopkins, Tennessee. My Mac Jones flipping strategy shot out the window preseason. I'm going to have to rely on him actually <laughs> actually doing <laughs> something good this year with Bill O'Brien. But then our guy, Traylon Burks, man, do you think this nukes his values? Or do you are you um, are you holding holding strong on him? Well, I won't go public because I don't know if this guy has actually gone public with this. He did on my mediocre fantasy channel, but uh, there is a super diehard quester who just bought a massive Traylon Burks card, massive, and his name is Kaladesi. Bought a huge Burks card, gold number to ten auto. Um, I wonder how he feels uh, about that. But yeah, obviously that hurts Traylon Burks. That's all there is to it. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe you know all the coverage goes D Hop's way and and Burks shines. Uh, so. Yeah, Andy, we're both still high on Traylon Burks, but it does kind of suck because he was going to be the clear-cut number one guy there. Yes, he's just not going to get the volume, and that was with a run-first offense. So, But it's like, okay, he's only in his second year. 
this guy still has those elite traits. He's got those qualities that we want, that we think he can be a breakout candidate. And now D-Hop's on a two-year contract. So that's going to be tough for him to sustain consistent, like big spike week performances. But, you know, I think now Traylon Burks is like a guy that you could pretty much just start firing on his cards because they should go down in value. And if you could pick up some really rare stuff for cheap, we're like gold cards for around 50 to $60 or something in that range, you know, and then, you know, rookie ticket autos for like five, 10 bucks, something like that. I would say stock up on them for a longer term play on trail on burst because eventually he is going to break out based on those characteristics that he has. So he's one of those guys that's now in that kind of that category for the time being. Until, you know, whether they change their offensive scheme and start passing more, uh, maybe something happens to Derrick Henry and they're forced to. I don't know. You know, there's a different – maybe Will Levis get, somehow gets a start. turns out he can feed multiple, you know, wide receiver ones and this new – you know, so there's things that can uh, change in Tennessee that could potentially lead to Traylon Burks breaking out at a much bigger level, level in, the, in the immediate Ryan Tannehill's cards stay dirt cheap, though. I just want to throw that out there. I, I just I just want to throw that out there. There might have been an uptick after this news, but I mean, I'm 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 just saying, right? Ryan Tannehill, 2012 product, 2012 prism. Uh, talk me off a ledge here. I mean, I got some Tannehill rookie refractors that I literally got for like a few bucks. Um, and I'm still holding on to him. I'm still waiting for, for that, uh, uh, for, for, for that burst. So, I mean, does Ryan have one more season in him, Andy, or, or are they going to see what they have in, in Levis? Well, for sure. He has one more season, um, being from 2012 and the, the quarterback, and now he has taken a lot of injuries. So Ryan, I, I think though, if healthy, like much like Matt Stafford, it, it, he doesn't have the arm, obviously, of Stafford, but I'm just talking about from like the, the injury and age kind of standpoint. If Ryan Tannehill is healthy, I think he will be just fine. He will be playing aggressive as well because he understands there are a there is a second-round rookie quarterback chomping at the bits to get playing time right behind him. So you all saw that, and, and they could easily release him and free up dead cap space. So he's got to compete. He is a competitor. He's been solid ever since he was traded from Miami to Tennessee. Um, he even has some tactical rushing ability like Joe Burrow. So Ryan Daniel does have some interesting characteristics and first year prism. You can see people are now, um, I think you have his card selling all over the place a, a little bit, depending on how rare it is, but like national treasures out of 49, bgs9 for 335 like that's a transaction that just happened yesterday so people are shelling out up to a several hundred dollars for ryan Tannehill stuff and some of his uh first year prisms are very rare but you look at like this rookie ticket auto yesterday 50 dollars buy it now buy it now's may actually come out on top right now for ryan Tannehill because people have had those listed forever and it's like oh, i don't know if this guy will sell you know listed it months ago and they're sitting out there on ebay and you can buy him like this rookie ticket auto for 50. That's a snipe, you know. So his, his transactions have definitely seen an uptick from DeAndre Hopkins. That's kind of the, yeah. the respect that De DeAndre Hopkins carries around. We were hoping for that uh, with Mac Jones. Didn't happen. Um, yeah, so we will we will continue to hold them. I'll hold the Max. I'm not a, I'm not opposed to holding them. And you know, this is a contract year for him. 
There's a new offensive coordinator. They did bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. You do have a second year for Tyquan Thornton. And you have Mike Jasicki coming in, who is a, I mean, it's like, come on, Mac. It's a six foot six receiver out there yeah. that runs a four or five, you know, and, and Jasicki. Like, let's see if he can um, put up some, some points and have a lot of production this year and maybe exceed expectations. And just, if, if anything, maybe he's projected to be traded next free agency and he goes to a new spot with that first round draft talent. He plays good enough to earn a starting job somewhere else. And there's hype there. So there's definitely future hype spikes in Mac Jones career arc to this point. So I'm not too worried. Yeah. So Chad and whoever else, uh, if you are a collector in particular, Mariota and Kirk Cousins, let me know if you saw an uptick from the documentary. Uh, I am very interested to see if Mariota stuff really went up. Uh, we'll, we'll probably do some research and talk about it next week. Okay. Um, happy tip of the week, Andy. I, I'll be brief here because we are running up here on an hour. Um, God, I actually, I had one in my mind and I totally forgot. Oh, don't be afraid to do a 99 cent let it ride auction. Just start it on Sunday night, 8 p.m. That's always the best time to do it unless you are timing a playoff game, uh, which I've done. I, you know, I did it with the AFC wildcard game this past year. Um, un unless you are timing something uh, for like Sunday night football or whatever, uh, or Monday night football, uh, don't be afraid to do a 99 cent letter ride. I understand it's tough whenever you put a list and let it ride. And look, Andy, I've been burned a few times. I, I put a Tyron Matthew PSA 10 up in one of those things, and it sold for $6, and it hurt my soul. Uh, but if you have a very liquid athlete, if you have Joe Burrow cards or Justin Jefferson cards, somebody that is uh, that everybody is always looking for, don't be afraid of 99 cent. Let that son of a gun ride. No reserve. Andy, I know that's not your favorite thing to do. You are Mr. Buy It Now. How you built your empire here, but your thoughts on 99 cent let it ride. Yeah, if I was to become a real uh, full-time dealer on eBay, that's what I, I would be doing a lot more 99 cent, especially if I had a card that I know if I price this at current sold comps, it's going to sell. If that's the case, I know it's going to at least get a few bids and I know it's going to go for market value. If I've got it comparable and I know that I've got a, a player and a card that I know will sell, then I don't mind that because you force a sale. That's the key thing there. You force the sale. You're going to take market value. Maybe sometimes you win a little bit. Sometimes you lose depending if you timed it right and you had the player uh, in the player hype, right? You know, you're looking at the hype of that player and the card that you have. And so um, then those little nuances come in, but more or less you're going to get market value for it and you're going to force the sale and you're going to put that money in your pocket and you're going to keep, um, keep the, the big machine chugging. Andy, your tip of the week? Yeah, uh, so mine is real quick. I, I got a, a shout-out, Andrew Perry, for this uh, hobby tip this week. When submitting to PSA, this is something specific to PSA. Their declared value, so they talk about uh, bulk submission, 20-plus cards uh, at a max declared value of $499. That declared value is not what it is for SGC and CSG. SGC and CSG want the declared value what the raw card is. PSA wants the declared value of what it, you expect it to be in the grade that you expect to get. 
So there is a thought there that you want to put down what you expect, to, uh, what the PSA 10 value of that card is. So you're you're saying, I expect to get a PSA 10. So you're telling them, kind of plant that seed there. And then also, they're not potentially uh, moving you into a different tier if you do get a PSA 10. So you're kind of aware that, okay, if I do get a PSA 10, I want to put that declared value down appropriately up front uh, to declare that. So you don't potentially get moved into a more expensive tier on the way back. Um, and that's different from SGC and CSG. They just want the declared value of what the raw card is going for, which makes sense to me. It's so right. illogical that PSA wants the, the declared value of what the grade you think you're going to get. Like, dude, you tell me what grade I'm going to get. Like, I'm hoping to get 10s on everything. I mean, is that the, the goal here? But, you know, it's like, um, it's it's interesting. I want to make sure that's, I, I feel like that's a good hobby tip of the week, a common misunderstanding. Even I was misunderstood on that. So thanks to, to Andrew Perry for helping me out there. Yeah, it's it, everything about grading is confusing. Everything. And part of the issue from PSA standpoint is they know that their grade maximizes your card value way more than pretty much any other grade outside of a BGS 10, right? Or BGS pristine or whatever. They know this, right? So from their vantage point, they know they are doing you a favor on top of the money that you're already giving them, right? So look, I, I've complained about PSA a lot, but ultimately I want my cards in their slabs. I don't mind other slabs every now and then, but it's just – how it is, it's very confusing for people, but turnaround times, whatever the case may be, if you want to stand in that long line in the national, be our guest, right? <laughs> be our guest. Huh? 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 I was um, about to break out the Beauty and the Beast song <laughs> song mode there. <laughs> hey, I, I was in a Beauty and, Beauty and the Beast play growing up. Be our guest. Be our guest. It, 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 Who it, did you play? I was... Um, I, th I think I was Lemure, the candle. I think that's who I was. I was I was a candle. I thought for sure I was going to get the beast. I thought for sure. Uh, but still. Um, you know, play of the week, it's uh, pretty straightforward uh, for me. I love the Seahawks. I like all the players on the Seahawks going into next year. And I know we have some diehard Seahawk fans that, that, that watch this. So I, I'm just very bullish on them. I, I just am. Uh, so any card you can get from any of their skill guys, including Tariq Woolen. I love me some Tariq Woolen. He is probably the fastest corner I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the Seahawks are probably, I mean, they got definitely DK is definitely a top five speed receiver. Uh, I am looking to add some Tariq Woolen to my collection at some point. I just like him. I just do. He's a quintessential NFL dream. Didn't come from a big school. Uh, I, I'm very bullish on the talent of this roster, even though I am not a Pete Carroll fan. Uh, I'm, I'm bullish. I'm bullish. So Andy, your play of the week. I dig it, man. And they just added Devin Witherspoon this year, right, yeah. in, in the first round. And then I, I also – No, go on, go on, yeah. go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I also, yesterday, this because this parlays with my uh, play of the week, um, I dropped my uh, top five wide receiver flag plants so that uh, for guys that I'm targeting at the National, I'm targeting the rest of the offseason uh, for season-long plays uh, yesterday on YouTube, 
But also I found out throughout that process that DK Metcalf cards have a have pockets of undervalued cards that you can't target, like his base prism PSA 10 that's uh, at right now at a trend of $32. So just want to call that out there, Carter, when you were talking about the Seahawks. But what were you going to say about Devin Witherspoon? He is the hardest hitting corner I've seen in a long time. I mean, he gets like for my old schoolers, Dick Night Train Lane, who was known for the clothesline tackle. He reminds you a lot of him, man. Dude, Witherspoon, it, dude, his college hits. And what's crazy is back when like Night Train and, and Ronnie Lott and all these other hard hitting DBs played. Um, there, there were no rules. There were no roughing rules. So, you know, Witherspoon lays you out. He is taking a risk because targeting is called, you know, so easily. But some of his hits at Illinois makes me kind of like if I was uh, John Schneider, the Seahawks GM, I wouldn't have drafted Witherspoon because he hits so hard. You begin to worry that he is going to hurt himself like the dude. And, and he's a corner. Right. So normally you think safety hard hitters. Witherspoon is him when it comes to hitting people. Uh, so be, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I would hate to be Cooper Cup or anyone like that in the NFC because that dude is a head hunter. Uh, so there you go. We'll answer a few more questions here. Dang, Chad is saying Colt McCoy and Rondale Moore are going to slice up the Seahawks. Colt McCoy. Uh-oh. That's Watch crazy. Um, I, I am impressed if Colt McCoy actually doesn't just retire. Um, he wants to, he wants to compete. I, I find that interesting. I think he's he's decent at best, but no, um, the they have no. They they got brand new coaching across the board. You've got a well below average offensive line. You know you've got James Connors somehow as your your RB one. You don't know more DeAndre Hopkins. I'm pretty pretty much like. You know they're they're in rebuild mode, so I see them. You know, losing a lot of games. I there's no way they beat the Seahawks in reality. <laughs> uh, let's go to Forbes here, who wants to talk some Leaf. You know what cards I like now, and they aren't that desirable to some. The Leaf variant cards with cool designs. Strictly from a PC standpoint, absolutely. I have a lot of Leaf cards. I'm not afraid to admit it uh, because. They get good autos, and I like the LSU players because it, I like them. Do I prefer them to have LSU logos on them? Yes, but that's what makes them cheaper. So, yeah, strictly from a PC, yes, but a flip, uh, no. Um, let's uh, go to – hey, what's up, Ziggy? No, good to see you, man. Um, that, that is absolutely crazy. Uh, Chad – Wants to talk some Kyler Murray here, Andy. Uh, your 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 thoughts on on Kyler's very weird future? Yeah, it's super weird. But he's obviously undervalued. His cards are at their bottom right now. I think what's interesting about him, you could have speculations if the Cardinals do so bad that they get the one dot one draft pick next year, where they'd be forced to take Caleb Williams then there could be speculation that uh, that the whole time the Cardinals um, are shopping Kyler Murray, right? And, and he would go to a new team, which could cause some hype around his cards, only for them to trade away the 1.1 pick and get a bunch in return for it because they're 
they believe in Kyler Murray as their franchise quarterback. So it does make for an interesting galaxy brain uh, card market play there with Kyler Murray. So, you know, Andy, we were talking about running back contracts earlier. The one thing I love about the NFL is the entire unpredictability of it. You think you have something mapped out or figured out. You really don't. Yeah, that's the fun thing about the NFL. You know, like in the NBA, I think it is a little bit easier to to see someone that's a lead, and you're like, okay, like it's it's clear, like Luca and and Jokic and Giannis. You could see it makes sense that those guys are great. It's normally like off court things uh, that that will do that. But the NFL, of course, it's mostly on field thing. I'm gonna give you one bold prediction on that Cardinals quarterback room. So I know we're talking Kyler. I know we're talking Caleb Williams in that one dot one. I know we're talking Colt McCoy, but Clayton Toon is a quarterback that they selected out of Houston. And he is not like the other guys, right? He is not flashy. He can't run. He does not play a flashy style of, of quarterback, but he can play. I think he is an NFL-level backup, fringe starter. I think he could be like Chase Daniel, but better. But I think if he gets a chance to play, he will be better than Colt McCoy. As a rookie, I, I like Clayton Toon a lot. So just keep uh, – uh, Derek knows a lot about Clayton Toon. Just keep an eye out on that name. Um, it's gonna few Reminds more. me of Davis Mills. Yeah, uh, I, I I could see it. Now, I will say this. If you have some Clayton Toon cards and he goes out there and has one good game, list those mother effers. List them. 99 Senate or or buy. Actually, you, you should buy it now if that's the case. Um, so there you go. Uh, Flea Market Mixtape says, I like Malik Cunningham, Super Cheap Autos. And Hoodie will find him a, a, a use. Uh, Andy, your, your thoughts on, on Malik Cunningham? Uh, well, I mean, it's... Do you, know, do you know anything about him? I guess it's a sleeper a sleeper play there. I mean, the Patriots, Patriots picked him up. So that's like, I mean, there's always potential there. With the Patriots, some kind of deep cut quarterback sleeper i don't think they'll play him at qb um i i'm i don't know i, I don't i don't know i'm i'm not in on malik i i think he was a good college quarterback i don't think he's nfl material but you know we'll see but obviously like, like you said with the patriots there's always an edelman type situation that could happen obviously with belichick uh and the positional versatility he chooses uh to 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 use so we We'll see. Uh, Andy, I'll let you pick a few more, and then we'll, and then we'll uh, skedaddle here. Yeah, yeah. So definitely make sure you guys um, check out the, the wide receiver eye video I dropped on Monday, and make sure you're subscribed if you're not already because I'm going to be dropping more of these uh, top five videos over the course of the next week or two for each position. And and then also I published my entire list, Carter, um, top, top 10 quarterbacks, top 17 wide receivers, uh, or 20 wide receivers, excuse me, top 17 running backs and top 11 tight ends over on patreon.com slash football cards. Um, 
And I, I mean, those are the guys I'm targeting at the national, you know, on yesterday, Carter, I highlighted DJ Moore. He's undervalued compared to 2018 draft class. And, um, I hired, uh, highlighted Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy. Um, uh, who am I, who am I forgetting guys? But, um, you know, I basically laid out the guys that I'm, uh, targeting for next year's draft. And that's when I was looking at that. I'm like, Oh wow. Some of DK stuff has these little pockets of value where you can find opportunities. In fact, you know, um, I think it's important to kind of look at these 2018, 2019 guys, maybe in some 2020, just because the supply of those cards are a lot lower than what the ultra modern stuff is. And a lot of people are on the ultra modern stuff, which is leaving the prices to go undervalued on these 2018, 2019 guys when they're really in their prime. When it comes down to uh, the rubber meets the road in the season, these are the guys that are going to be putting up the big highlights. Like, yeah, of course, there's going to be an occasional rookie, but I know. I know DJ Moore is good. I know Terry McLaurin's good. I know Jerry Judy's good. You know, so um, uh, Brandon Ayuk was was uh, was the other guy I was that was slipping my mind. So yeah, I know these guys are good from a singular at- athlete standpoint. I know they're really good at their position. It's just a matter of what their quarterback does this year and, and um, how far they can exceed expectation or not. But I know that they're good and they're young and they're in their prime. So they're very safe plays. We see Jets crazy 87. Sco, what's up, bro? Look at him. Ha, ha, ha. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, Hector, you see Scove? Andy? Oh, yeah, I see Scove. There you go. Scove? crazy. Yo. Look at him. Yeah. I hope Man. he's going to the National. It'd be cool to meet him. Talk uh, talk about a storyline. Now he gets hard knocks. Now yes, yeah, Gove. You know, he's got his team on hard knocks. Uh there you go. Another show comparing prison print runs from all years would be cool. Yeah, it's always kind of tough it. to know like the full print runs, but I think you know, when we did like the PSA pop count and we saw that the Prism Trevor Lawrence only had four PSA tens. That was like a year ago though. Uh but unless you did another one on your own. But um, but yeah, Andy, this was a very fun show. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, don't forget, uh, I got a new fantasy channel, Mediocre Fantasy. Uh, make sure you go subscribe to that. I'm drafting with Andy. I'm drafting with Kaladesi. I'm drafting with uh, Chad and Derek and everybody. Um, so make sure you go subscribe uh, to that channel. It's got 23 subscribers. Make myself feel better. Because all my channels have way more than that. But there you go. Andy, uh, Nashville's coming up, man. Uh, next week and a half, we'll have another show before then. I get to meet you, man. It's going to be fun. That, that makes, how that I makes feel me about getting to meet you, man. <laughs> and that, the Mediocre yeah. Fantasy Channel. Go show Carter some love, guys. I can't wait till huh? next Thursday. Uh, all right, y'all. I can't wait out. to see what we get into. All right, guys. Peace. What a boom, boom. Looking for the outro. Oh, hit that. <laughs>